On this episode of Go Truck Yourself, we're talking about Chuck versus Phase 3. That's right. This week, Chuck is up against Captain America Civil War, Doctor Strange, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, Spider-Man Homecoming, Thor Ragnarok, Black Panther, Avengers Infinity War, Ant-Man and the Wasp, Captain Marvel, Avengers Endgame, and Spider-Man Far From Home. That was pretty funny. listening to go check yourself that's right today we are talking about chuck season four episode nine chuck versus phase three had a little uh, mcu fun there my name <laughs> is chris gillespie i am one of your hosts as we uh we take a trip to the the far east in this week's episode thank you for flying with us you keep you keep doing this where you usually you leave me a space, but you're just like finishing a sentence. I am Aaron Arada, and I'm very excited for this surely tasteful, very like gender affirming, culture affirming episode of Chuck. Good. I'm glad uh, before we begin talking about the episode, since this is uh, we're talking about phase three right now, uh, I was looking at the old. The old schedule, the old lineup, and I saw that, you know, we kind of are, are um, you know, through our first phase of season four, we're kind of, we've gone through a third of the episodes of season four already, so it's kind of like we're, we're entering a new phase ourselves, and I was thinking that we kind of have to do some, some housekeeping, some cleaning up of some loose ends that I wanted to address before we move on to our next phase, uh, okay. so specifically, I would like to ask you, uh, for a Borat update, if you've oh. gone back and watched the first Borat, and if you still have your strong feelings for Borat that you did have a couple weeks ago. Okay, this is actually, um, this is going to be maybe a disappointing segment. I have not yet watched Borat 1. Okay. I do still have a special place in my heart for Borat as a um, subject and Borat 2 as a film. Um, it has not come up in my life as much as I thought it would. I thought, like, I it was kind of like being welcomed into a club. I thought maybe, like, people on the street would be like, ah, my wife, and I'd be like, my wife, and then we would kind of have, like, a little a little moment. Um, that didn't happen. Hasn't happened yet. I'm not saying it won't. I am holding out hope. Please check in at the start of Phase 5, because I, I'd like to think that by then I will have watched Borat 1. What about you? Have you have you joined the the Borat, the Borat, uh, the the Knights Borat? Well, I am pleased to report, Aaron, that since we last recorded that, I have seen not only the first Borat, but also the second Borat. Oh my Borat. God! So now I have to interview you about Borat. That's right. I have seen 100% of the Borat movies. I have surpassed you in my Borat viewings. That's true. How do you feel? Are you like, are you part of the club now? <laughs> um, I'm going to say no, I'm not part of the club. Um... I think the first one, it's hard to watch 15 years later because it um, I, it just came across as very dated to me. Yeah, um, that makes sense. And I was like this and I, I still don't really understand how it was considered so groundbreaking at the time. I mean, I kind of do, but mm -hmm. I'm surprised that it was so well received because I was like, you know, some of both of them have things that are ostensibly offensive in them. Um, yes. To varying levels of satire, I guess. But uh -huh. um, the first one, I was almost more like there was a lot more of that kind of shock humor in it. Uh -huh. um, but what you did, I, I guess you didn't mention this because you didn't see the first one. But the first one is is one of the stars is a former Chuck actor. Really? Was, yeah. If you remember from season two, when it was Chuck versus the first kill and there was uncle bernie yep uncle bernie is borat's uh producer in the first one his, wow. his producer slash frenemy so oh that's exciting weird little chuck connection uh yeah but yeah i, I enjoyed the first one i guess mm. somewhat i i like mm. the second one a little bit more just because mm. it felt more timely and i could appreciate it uh -huh. a little bit yep. better because it was more relevant to yeah things that are going on um so i guess i made the right choice in watching the second one first i think so i think the first one you'd kind of be a little you might be disappointed with but okay. i thought the actress that played 
Orad's daughter was phenomenal. Yeah, she was great. I was like, how, <laughs> where did you come from? Like, that's crazy. She's, she's Hungarian. I know. That's amazing. I, that's where she came from. I was so blown away by all of that. So yeah, that's the, uh, that's the Borat update right now. Good. We've, we've tied <laughs> up some loose ends. Yes. Uh, I would also like to tie up the loose end. Uh, in a previous episode, I said I was starting to read the classic science fiction novel Dune. I have okay. since completed reading oh, good. Dune, which I can't believe I am. I think it was like a month ago, so that was pretty fast for me. Yeah, that is pretty fast. What did you think? Um, well, let's just say how was how was Paul? <laughs> how was Paul? Um, <laughs> Paul was interesting. Um, it's kind of I will not be dressing up like a sandworm for next Halloween, okay. a la right. Chuck versus the Sandworm. But um, disappointing, but fine. <laughs> I, I would say that sums up this whole project overall. Disappointing, okay. but fine. No. Um, <laughs> It's one of those things where if you, I'm sure it must have been very groundbreaking for its time. And for that reason, I think that anyone who's reading it within the past 20 years or 30 years may not be as impressed with it as like when it first came out in the 60s. Because mm -hmm. I could see it coming out in the 60s and being like, this is a game changer. But the issue, mm -hmm. in addition to, I think that there's really no likable characters or no one that you're rooting <laughs> for necessarily. uh -huh. Um, there's people that you're rooting for just but because you less that you dislike them less than you dislike the actual yeah. like villains who are like uh -huh. terrible. So yeah. But the heroes are like, I don't really care about you. You're kind of a dick. Um, Paul being the the dick. Um I see. But it's one of those things that has influenced so much after it that yeah. it's hard to appreciate it as groundbreaking because it just seems der not derivative, but it's like there's so much if you could see that George Lucas very clearly, I don't want to say ripped off, but clearly got a lot of inspiration from it for Star yeah. Wars mm -hmm. and basically like any other kind of sci fi, not any sci fi mm -hmm. thing, but I feel like Mass Effect or or just other these kinds of huge stars, sci fi, you know, trilogies or presences yeah. um, all are very similar to it. But th it's mm -hmm. the one that started all. I don't really know why. I mean, it was very it was a. It was like an epic read, kind of like when you'd read mm -hmm. a um, a book that it, it felt like a much older book, sort of um, like a classic. That makes sense. So, yes, I, I'm glad that I read it, but I'm not going to be running out to uh, check out the sequels. <laughs> Dune 2. Tune. Oh, that doesn't work. I don't know. <laughs> Electric Boogadoon. Um, I am still waiting for a phone call from Timothy Dalton and or his son. Right. That's. Just a, a brief update on that. We have Nothing plenty yet. of time. I mean, we've been yeah. taking a break from Timothy Dalton this week and last week, but yeah. moving forward, I'm sure he's going to come back in a major way. I am waiting for his son's 25th birthday, which will be happening in two years. So, okay, you know, a little a little bit of time there. Yeah, I mean, that was that was a little creepy that you were able to uh, pinpoint that down and that you're you're anticipating well, I remember it. Remember that but... he's 23. It's fine. Right. It's not weird. Okay. It's, it's okay. It's... <laughs> I did actually want to say, you seemed aghast in that episode when um, I expressed that it was odder for me to date his son who is in his 20s as opposed to the father who is in his 70s. Right. And I wanted to be clear that if I'm date like, if there is me and a much older man, then he is the weird one. And I am kind of like, just like the like bright eyed young woman. But if I... I'm like, if I am dating someone younger than me, then I am the weird one. So I would like to not be the weird one, which is why I have to date Timothy Dalton as opposed to his son. Okay. I guess I understand your logic there. So you're more yeah. about being, you wouldn't want to be a cougar. You would prefer being the, the kept woman or the, um, <laughs> the, would, the sugar baby. The sugar baby is the term. Yes. Okay. Yes. <laughs> so you are, you're more of a sugar baby than you are a cougar. Yes. That makes sense. Okay. Yes. Yeah, I guess it makes Yeah, that checks out. Thank you. So that's been our update. Go Bora yourself. Go Dune yourself. Go Timothy Dalton's son yourself. Yes. Were you go gonna... Dalton yourself? There you go. Go Dalton yourself. Um, yeah. So now that we've gotten all that squared away, we can move confidently into the future with Chuck versus phase three. Aaron, take it away. Chuck has been kidnapped! Or has he? We start 
on a kind of intense sex scene between <laughs> Chuck and Sarah. They're in bed together and they're like making out. Like they're they're really making out. I don't know if you got uncomfortable, Chris, because we know you get uncomfortable about these kinds of things. But uh, it was intense. I got a little uncomfortable. It was as intense as a sex scene can be for NBC on 8 p.m. on a Monday. Sarah says, you know what I really want? I want you to flash. Chuck is aghast by this. He doesn't usually flash during sex, and Sarah should know the intersect isn't currently working. Sarah seems completely uninterested in him and goes to sleep. Chuck rolls over to see Lester in bed with him on the other side. Lester says Chuck will never keep a girl like Sarah if he can't flash. And Chuck is like, ah. So I have some questions. Can we we know that Chuck has flashed, like, used the intersect to play duck hunt? Can Chuck flash during sex? Is there Kama Sutra knowledge in the intersect? And is there a pornography of this somewhere on the internet? <laughs> I uh, I was also wondering that myself now, as you were just <laughs> saying that. I was like, I wonder if there's, would they have that? Would, would there be national security purposes for having a sex encyclopedia in the in the intersect? I'm just imagining like the... Uh, the, the graphic of the flashing. <laughs> Everything's blurred out. All these just different figures. Yeah, that's great. Um, Seth watched this scene with me and pointed out a um, 70s Jonah Hex poster prominently featured behind Chuck's bed. He says um, it's not a good Jonah Hex comic. It is where he goes to the future. Oh. So just... Dropping that in for all of you comic fans out there. Not a good Jonah Hex. If you think it's a good one, let me know. I'll tell Seth that you, you this podcast that he doesn't listen to. Someone who does listen said you are wrong. That's. I think that's what this podcast has been lacking. Has been more feuds with your boyfriend who's not yes. present. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> So we cut from what was apparently a dream sequence to the Belgian saying, why isn't this working? So, phew, Chuck has been kidnapped, reality is restored, everything is as we understood it, there's not something weird with a threesome with Lester and Sarah going on. Apparently, the Belgian has Chuck strapped to a chair and drugged somewhere in Thailand. He and a scientist named Euler are going through Chuck's phone and using his phone context to trigger anxiety dreams so he'll be forced to flash. The scientist says, anxiety is Chuck's strongest motivating factor, and I have never felt so seen. <laughs> it's a little weird. Um, they point out Lester was the wrong choice, but Mueller is sure that the right combination of people yelling at Chuck in his dreams will make him flash. The factor that will always be present, because it makes him most anxious of all, Sarah Walker. Here, I'm going to ask you, what combination of people do you think would make you flash in an anxiety dream? <laughs> uh who would make me flash um who do you least want to yell at you to tell me to flash or just like any to be disappointed at you i guess to be disappointed at me well that seems to be the theme like it's not he's not in danger in any of his dreams really mm. he's just like people are saying like we don't love you because you won't flash well i had well, I've been having, I guess, a series of dreams. I don't know what they really mean, but I did okay. have a dream uh, the other day. And maybe it's because of my uh, my appearance on U2X radio on Sirius XM now available on demand on the Sirius XM <laughs> app. But I did have a dream where I met U2 and uh, they were pretty chill. They wanted to uh, to like for me to like be a part of the band. And I was like, guys, I don't play a musical instrument. I can't do that. Mm -hmm. Um, so I guess if they were disappointed in me, I had another dream too, where, sorry, I'm going to get political for a second. I had a dream where I met, um, Barack Obama and he said, <laughs> he told me he was proud of me. So that was a very good <laughs> dream. So I imagine the inverse of that where Barack Obama tells me that he's disappointed <laughs> in me would probably be devastating. So I guess I'll yeah. go with, uh, if president Obama <laughs> told me that I had to flash and I couldn't, I'd be very upset. That makes sense. Yes. yes. Or if you too, I guess if they, if they were trying to get me to flash then. Um, yeah. So. How about you? Were you do you have you thought about this? I, I should have had an answer prepared. Um, People in glass houses. I sometimes have nightmares that you are mad at me for not putting enough effort into go check yourself. So I guess if if you <laughs> told me that you were mad that I couldn't flash, that would be pretty sad. Um, on a on a grander scale, how about God? How about if God told me he was disappointed in me? I'm going to blow your mind. What if God told you that she was disappointed in you? 
what if God was one of us? Just a stranger on the bus trying to make her way home. What if God was a woman? God is a woman. I'm trying I'm trying to quote all the songs. This is very freeform jazz what kind of thing. God was what Joan of Arcadia, good show. What, can so you, anyway. Can you do free association from God is a woman to the where we are in the plot of this episode of Chuck? Yes. Okay. If God if God were a woman, she would look a lot like Diane Beckman, who's in the next scene. <laughs> <laughs> She's talking to Sarah through the burning bush. Yeah, she's talking to Sarah and Casey through the burning bush. Um, she says that though the CIA has put a priority on finding Chuck, they don't have anything so far. Neither do Sarah and Casey. Casey says every agent in Castle is working on it. And I, I wanted to ask you, are, like, are there other agents in Castle? Does he mean like the Gretas? What is he talking about here? Yeah, I think the other agents that work at the Bymore technically work okay. at Castle. But Castle is okay. empty in this scene, so maybe they felt yes. the need to explain that, even though everyone is used to empty Castle anyways yeah. from previous it's seasons. A, uh, a little confusing, but that's fine. Beckman tells Sarah and Casey to get some rest, but Sarah says she can't. Her priority is not the Intersect or the government secrets, it's Chuck. This is a little awkward for everyone, and Beckman clearly disapproves, so Casey steps in and ends the call. He tells Sarah she needs to be a spy, not a worried girlfriend, which is when Morgan arrives with some info that might actually help them. First, though, he refers to himself in the third person as daddy. Just as Timothy Dalton will one day refer to himself in his relationship oh, with Aaron. Oh, Jesus. Okay. Don't get me excited. Um, there's, <laughs> there's a Thai national who works with the Belgian. His name is Shen Arong, and he happens to be at the Thai embassy in L.A. Great. That's convenient. So Sarah and Casey don carpet cleaner disguises and head to the embassy, where they roll out a rug that I actually really like and would like to purchase for my own home. Mm -hmm. Shenarong, though, is not into it and calls it the ugliest rug he's ever seen in his life. When Sarah demands he tell her where Chuck is, he says he's on Thai soil and they're trespassing. So Sarah hits him with a trank dart. Casey hits a button that causes the rug to roll back up with Shenarong inside it, and they take him to Castle. Sarah says, welcome to American soil. Where's Chuck? I thought that was a really good sequence. I don't know, like, I thought the rug was honestly really cool. Like, it was a yeah. cool rug, but then, like, the the mechanics, I don't know how they did that. Like, movie magic, I guess. Yeah, I don't know. And I was thinking, like, they should have, I wonder if there would be a market for this kind of thing in the real world. But I was like, how would you have, it would be so expensive, probably, to make a rug that can fold itself or roll itself up. But that would be so handy, like, if you had to move a rug and you just hit a button and it rolled itself up. I suppose that's true. Maybe that could be our new business venture. We can go on Shark Tank and pitch the okay, self-rolling we'll, rug. We'll work on that. We'll call it the Aladdin rug. There we go. Ooh, yeah. that's pretty good. Yeah. So after the credits, we're treated to a scene of Sarah doing, like, fake movie torture on Shenarong. She's sort of, like, grabbing his head and threatening to punch him, which I'm sure wouldn't be any picnic if you were him, but also it's not really, like, that serious. She doesn't even have, like, any needles or anything. Casey and Morgan don't agree. When Sarah reels back to actually hit Shenarong, Casey calls her out of the interrogation room and tells her she's acting like her old wild court enforcer self. He insists she go get some rest, and it looks like it's going to be a fight, but then Morgan gets between them, convincing Sarah to take some time to recuperate. She says she'll give them two hours. Casey seems a little impressed with Morgan for putting himself in harm's way. At least that's how I interpreted that. I don't know if that's what they were going for, because it doesn't come back up, but he looked a little impressed. Meanwhile... Ellie is on her way to a 36-hour hospital shift when she and Devin discover a super high-tech-looking gamer-type laptop in Steven's old car. It has, like, lights on it, and it's black and green, and it's shiny. I don't know how else to describe it. It just looks, like, kind of cool. They open it, and it doesn't turn on, so it's unclear what it is. Ellie hopes it isn't spy stuff, but says they can't call Chuck just in case it is because it might put him in danger again. What she doesn't know is that Chuck's already in danger. In fact... Mueller is whispering sweet nothings into unconscious Chuck's ear as they speak. Namely, he's whispering that Sarah, Morgan, Ellie, and Awesome will never love Chuck without the intersect. We cut from that to Sarah trying to rest in her and Chuck's room. Instead, she spends some time cuddling Chuck's nerd herd shirt and finds what looks like a highlighted map in his pocket protector. Morgan comes in to check on her and reveals that the map is actually Chuck's proposal plan. Apparently, apparently he was planning to propose to her, but that got put on hold when the intersect did. Sarah makes a big speech about how she loves Chuck and would marry him with or without the intersect, but she realizes she's never directly told him that. Cue the drama. And I'm just gonna ask you here, where are we with Chuck and Sarah getting engaged? Because I thought they'd made a plan to wait, but now 
he's proposing and it's okay. Because they were going to make the plan to wait, but then Sarah was talking to Chuck when he was asleep, and she said, if you asked, I would say yes. Yeah, I remember he, that. He heard that. I think that's where we left off, right? I guess. And then they had a fight about Chuck's mom, so it's kind of been on the back burner. Yeah. I don't know. I just feel like Sarah expressed that she wanted to wait. Like, that's what she said when Chuck was awake. Yeah. Um. So I don't know why Chuck is, like, making a proposal plan already, but whatever. That's fine. You only got 24 episodes in a season. They got These kids got to get engaged at some point. That's true. They got to get married within the next uh, 10 episodes, probably. So Beckman, God as a woman... <laughs> Doesn't know anything about Shenarong being in Castle because uh, Sarah and Casey kidnapped him on, on the DL. Beckman finishes telling Casey to keep an eye on Sarah because she's basically a loose cannon right now. And just then, Sarah charges in and locks Casey in a cell. She heads to Shenarong's interrogation room with a big suitcase full of real torture stuff. He taunts her, saying she won't use it because of the Geneva Convention, but she threatens to literally inject him with ammonia because she's looking for a man who loves her and wants to marry her. He continues taunting her, saying that it's amazing what a woman will do to find a husband when she's racing against the biological clock. And that was honestly, that's not an angle I expected him to use. It was pretty <laughs> surprising. <laughs> he caught you off guard. He did. Sarah succeeds in making Shenarong uh, fear for his life. So much so that he flashes. The intersect is working again. Oh, wrong character. Never mind. Okay. Uh, in reality... Shenrong is afraid, and he confesses to Sarah that the Belgian is holding Chuck in the jungles of northern Thailand. Sarah starts packing her guns, and Casey, who is still trapped in the holding cell, says that he's going with her. But Sarah says she's going to do whatever she has to do to save Chuck, and she doesn't want to drag Casey down with her. Casey says Sarah needs him, to which Sarah responds, no, I need Chuck. I feel like they, there's so many different instances where either Chuck, or no, sorry, either Casey or Sarah is like, I'm going to do this thing, but I'm going to do it by myself. But then the other people are like, I'm not going to let you do that by yourself. I feel like that's a something that happens a lot, that it's almost when they tease it out, like it's because it never ends up being like that. Like they never end up truly going on their own. Mm -hmm. I just feel like it's something that they they keep. Teasing, yeah, it's a trope. But, yeah. Um, so back in Devin and Ellie's apartment, Devin is trying to figure out how to turn Steven's mysterious laptop on to no avail. He decides to call Jeff and Lester for technical support. So he welcomes them into his home. They're, yeah. They're intrigued. As you do. They're intrigued by the computer, which Lester identifies as a Rourke 7 um, from Ted Rourke's Rourke Instruments. Uh, from oh, I was wondering if that's what I assumed that they wouldn't use that word if it wasn't related to him. But that's really the only reference we get. Yeah. Um, Jeff and Lester agree to help Devin and keep it a secret from Chuck with the condition that Devin gives them free medical exams for their respective ailments. Devin reluctantly agrees out of love for Ellie, so Lester starts to check out the computer while Jeff unbuttons his pants to show Devin his abscess. Back in Castle, Morgan finds Casey trapped in the holding cell. Morgan admits that he may have exacerbated the issue by telling Sarah about Chuck's plans to propose. Casey demands that he open the door, but Morgan says that he'll only open the door if Casey agrees to take him to Thailand with him. Casey says that it's too dangerous, but Morgan insists, so Casey agrees with the understanding that Morgan's not allowed to have any bullets. In the jungles of northern Thailand, the young and old alike gather to watch a man attempt to retrieve a ribbon from the tail of a king cobra. That's... you... It's That's not true. something I ever thought... I, okay, so I remember this, like, as soon as they were there, I was like, oh, I remember this stuff. Um, but it's not really, that's not a sentence I ever expected to hear you say on Go Check Yourself. I know, I'm always excited when those things, when I was writing that out, I was like, this is a weird thing to say <laughs> on Go Check Yourself, but it is, it's yeah. accurate. Yeah. Uh, Sarah enters what seems to be an outlaw cantina. It's somewhere in between, like, a, a pirate's tavern from Pirates of the Caribbean <laughs> and some kind of, um... Some kind of bar in like Mad Max Fury Road. That's the yeah, kind of clientele exactly. that's, that's, that's here. Um, it's very a very rough crowd. Uh, Sarah loudly declares that she's looking for the Belgian in the native Thai language. The room is silent except for one man who offers to talk to her. And you know this man is tough because he has a big scar running down his face and a tattoo yeah, of does. a spider web on his arm. Oh yeah. Sarah asks him what he knows, but this tough guy tells her to sit down and have a drink with him first. Sarah pounds a glass of what I think is whiskey, 
and demands to know where the Belgian is. The man asks why she cares so much about it, and she says that the Belgian has her boyfriend, to which the man responds, maybe I could be your boyfriend. And although that was a admittedly a creepy thing for him to say, I kind of felt bad for this guy because he clearly does not know the world of pain he's about to enter. <laughs> and like that split second, I was like, oh man, shouldn't have said that. It's a bad idea. Uh, and sure enough, Sarah slams his head against the table and then punches him in the face, knocking him to the ground. Sarah stands on the man's unconscious body and asks the rest of the outlaws if there's anyone else who wants to be her boyfriend, which I thought was a, a funny line. I did like that part, yes. Back in Chuck's dreams, Chuck is having a nightmare in which Sarah leaves him because he can't flash. In the real world, uh, Dr. Mueller is telling the Belgian that Chuck is uh, still too aware, even his, in his sleep, to let go of the intersect. The Belgian is not pleased with this, so Dr. Mueller says that their last option is to enter phase three which is basically just a lobotomy. Uh, the yeah. idea is that they will get rid of all of Chuck's brain activity aside from the intersect so that the intersect will be easier to access. Uh, and this, this sounds pretty bad. Sounds like Chuck is in, uh, is in a lot of danger right now. It does. Chris, I'm not a neurologist. I don't know anything about the inner workings of minds, but this all checks out. This all seems like something you could definitely do. <laughs> Meanwhile, Sarah is led to the inner sanctum of the the owner of the this cantina or he's like a crime boss or he's the mayor of the town. I'm really not clear what exactly he is. He's some kind of shady figure. Um, he says that he's heard of Sarah's exploits in Thailand already. And Sarah once again demands to know where the Belgian is. This man says that he will gladly tell Sarah what she wants to know if she can beat his top fighter in a cage match. Sarah agrees because she don't give a shit. I really um, thought his top fighter was going to be the snake. Did you think that? No, I did not. Oh, well, I thought like that would be like if Sarah was like expecting to fight like a person and then it was a snake. That would have been like kind of funny. True. Uh, the fight takes place in a small sandy fenced in area. Sarah and the champion fighter seem to be evenly matched. But then the champion fighter throws sand into Sarah's eyes, making her lose focus. He knocks Sarah to the ground and has one of his friends pass him a machete. Things seem to be looking pretty dire for Sarah when a bullet knocks the machete out of the champion fighter's hand. And we pan over to see Casey with an assault rifle. And he says, this ends now. Morgan is also there with a handgun, but he's not as threatening. All the people who are in the audience for the fight take out machine guns as well. Talk about a rough crowd. <laughs> Am I right? See what I did there? I did. Seeing Casey, the crime boss signals to everyone to lower their guns, so they do. Morgan hurries over to Sarah and gives her some water to clean out her eyes. Casey asks Sarah what she's doing there, since this place is just for scoundrels, assassins, and warlords. Real scum of the earth, he says. At which point, a waitress approaches Casey and says, Mr. Casey, would you like your usual? I did actually like that part. Yes, that was funny. Uh, there's an awkward pause as Casey accepts the drink before saying that they have to leave. Sarah says that she has unfinished business to attend to and turns to tell the crime boss that she will still uphold her end of the deal and will continue to fight and defeat the champion fighter in exchange for in information about the Belgian. Back in Burbank, Devin's apartment has turned into a walk-in clinic for the Bymore Associates. Turns out uh, that as Jeff and Lester have needed extra help and supplies, they've called other people from the Bymore to come assist in exchange for free medical service. Fernando is there. I was very surprised to see Fernando in Ellie and yeah, Devin's he, apartment. Yeah, he apparently had a, a boil that needed to be lanced. That's no fun. It's no good. Nope. Getting, Been I mean, there. It's good to once you get them lanced, but it's not pretty looking leading up to it, you know? That's true. Yep. I'm, I'm happy for him. Yes. Big Mike is also there. And thanks, Devin, for being able to take a look at what he refers to as the darker corners of the human body um, <laughs> before handing Lester some kind of repair piece for the computer. In Thailand, Sarah is ready for round two of the fight. We hear Wolf Mother's song, Woman, uh, which I think is just a, a phenomenal riff and the perfect soundtrack to the scene. Uh, it was really actually really good. I was excited to hear Wolf Mother on Chuck. Yes. Uh, Chuck also like randomly wakes up at this time and finds himself in the Belgian's laboratory. He manages to sneak out the window and starts scurrying through the jungle. He gets a call from Ellie, which I'm sure is going to cost him a small fortune for that kind of long distance <laughs> call. Uh, Ellie asks where he's been, and he says that he's been working as a spy again, and he's in trouble and needs her to contact Sarah and Casey ASAP. 
As this is happening, Sarah finally defeats the championship fighter, winning the respect of the crime boss. On his call with Ellie, Chuck reiterates that he needs help, and Ellie asks why he doesn't just flash. Chuck says that Ellie doesn't sound very upset, and she says that she's not upset because she knows that Chuck can flash if he really tries. At this point, Chuck realizes what uh, was hopefully apparent to all of us from when he sneaked out of the <laughs> laboratory and into the jungle, uh, which is that he is still dreaming. Chuck says that he'll never escape the dreams, at which point Dr. Mueller appears and tells him that if Chuck doesn't access the intersect, he's going to destroy Chuck's brain. Chuck wakes up for real, and the real Dr. Mueller asks him if he wants to disappear forever or if he just wants to hand over the intersect, to which Chuck says that he can't give him the intersect. I genuinely think that at least Mueller and maybe the Belgian are like, they're not nice guys exactly, but they're giving Chuck a lot of chances. Like, I feel like <laughs> most bad guys would just be like, yeah, just like do whatever it takes to get it out of him. But they're like, yeah, you can you can do it if you believe in yourself. Like, we're just going to like cause you to be a little anxious. We're going to give uh -huh. you some dreams. But they, they give him chances. They they lay out what they're going to do. They're very patient. Um, yeah. Very understanding. Maybe that's because they're European. Maybe they're just a that little makes bit sense, more yeah. like empathetic or. They have, okay. um, they don't have health insurance issues to worry about. Right, right. Um, later that night, Casey and Morgan are helping Sarah recover from her fight. Sarah apologizes for her earlier behavior in Castle, and Casey tells her not to worry about it. Sarah says that she's not leaving Thailand until they rescue Chuck, and Casey says that neither is he. Um, and then they take out these two massive guns from the back of their truck. Armed with these guns, Casey and Sarah get into the cab of the truck, while Casey tells Morgan to ride in the back with the gear. In the laboratory, Dr. Mueller and the Belgian are initiating phase three. The Belgian asks how long it will take, and Dr. Mueller says that he doesn't know for sure, but he does note that the process has already started because they can he's monitoring Chuck's brain activity and can apparently tell or see that it's it's working. You know, it's hard science, yeah, I people. Guess so. You wouldn't understand. <laughs> Chuck starts having a dream about the Bymore. It starts with the nerd herders gathered around him, telling him to flash, but then everything starts shaking and he's alone in the store. People from his life, like Morgan and Casey and Beckman, start popping up on the TVs, telling him he's worthless if he doesn't flash. Jeff also appears, but he's just banging on the screen and asking to be let out. All the blenders and standing mixers start going off and everyone starts yelling. Phase 3 is really taking its toll. I thought this was... It was filmed very cool. It was well-directed. And it's genuinely, like, it's funny, but it's also kind of scary. I thought this was really good. Yeah, I enjoyed it. Meanwhile, Casey, Sarah, and Morgan sneak up to the Belgian's heavily guarded base. When Morgan expresses a desire for no one to get shot, Casey has an idea. Instead of a shootout, they'll use Morgan as a diversion. They dress him up in, like, a shirt with a pot leaf on it and a lot of, like, stoner back type... Back a lot of stoner backpacker type clothes, which I'm wondering why they had those. Did Morgan bring those in his bag? That doesn't really seem like his style, but it also definitely isn't Casey's. <laughs> was it like a gift shop or anything? I don't know where they got all this. Either way, Morgan manages to distract a bunch of the main guards while Sarah and Casey take out the ones on the outskirts. At some point, Sarah also ends up in a lake and swims toward the guards like sexily. Uh, Wolf Mother is playing again during this scene. When she pops up out of the water, the guards yell and scatter. So Casey says, guess we didn't need the guns after all. There's also, um, this is another entry in my weird Amazon subtitles uh, subplot. When uh, Casey presumably breaks a man's neck, the subtitle says, sudden squishy crack. Oh, <laughs> yeah, pretty bad. <laughs> um, sudden squishy crack is also an ailment that I have that I need Devin to uh, take a look <laughs> oh, at. God. <laughs> Uh, in Chuck's dream sequence, he ends up in the courtyard of his apartment complex. Ellie and Devin appear and ask him to flash, then disappear again. There's a really cool bit where a window is shattering and Chuck is walking through the glass while it's in the air, but eventually he ends up in his bedroom where he meets Sarah. She says she's here to rescue him. In reality, Sarah, Casey, and Morgan have broken into the lab and knocked out both the Belgian and Mueller. Sarah cries over Chuck's unconscious body, thinking he's been erased, but Morgan tells her to tell Chuck what he told her, so she does. She repeats that she loves him, with or without the intersect, and she wants to marry him. This is intercut with her crying in Thailand and the dream sequence in Chuck's bedroom where he hears her say all this. He finally wakes up, and they kiss. And I, I want to say, I don't know if it was the music or, like... The temperature or like just what's going on in my own life, but I did cry watching this and I did get chills. So wow. great, great scene, I guess. That's a lot. You had quite the emotional reaction to that. 
I did. Meanwhile, in the makeshift clinic that has popped up in Devin and Ellie's apartment, more Buy More employees are having their various ailments checked by Devin. It makes me concerned about the Buy More's health insurance policies. I just gotta say, all these people have, like, broken arms and stuff that they apparently weren't getting treated, but good thing Devin's on the case. Lester manages to turn the computer on, but it prompts a password screen that just says knock knock. When Lester asks for a colonoscopy as recompense for further hacking, Devin sends everyone out. In Castle, Beckman debriefs the team, checking in that both Sarah and Chuck are back to normal. Reassured, she tells them that even without the intersect, Chuck remains an asset to the CIA and they will find a use for him. Chuck is relieved. Alone again, he tells Sarah that the proposal plan she found is a rough draft and he's totally going to wow her. Cut to him freaking out with Morgan in the Bymore, not knowing how to wow her. Chuck is upset that he can't use his proposal plan because Sarah has seen it, so he and Morgan plan to come up with another one. They also reflect on how Sarah really loves him and how he has great friends who would rescue him even without the intersect. Guess Chuck has learned his lesson. Ellie returns to her apartment and Devin reveals the fixed computer. He asks her if she knows what the knock-knock prompt means and she explains that when she was little, she used to get confused about knock-knock jokes and when someone would say knock-knock to her, she would say, I'm here. And that also made me cry because I was just thinking about it. That's really cute. <laughs> she types in I'm here into the computer and then she and Devin look at the screen and say, oh my God. Then the episode ends. So we don't know what they saw. What did they see? No, <laughs> what I saw was tears because I was still crying. Oh, so that is Chuck versus phase three. Phase three. He, uh. He survived phase three, it seems. He did. I don't know exactly how lobotomies work, but I don't know that you can, like, go back on it at the at the ninth hour and just be like, yep, well, we, we got him out of it in time. But, you know, maybe this one does work that way. I can't say for sure. Well, I, uh, I'm intrigued by that, and I would like to discuss that a little bit more in our next segment. Oh, okay. Chuck, Mary kill, where <laughs> we take one part of this episode that we, uh, we develop a proposal plan for and then eventually propose to and wed and another part of this episode that we kill perhaps through uh lobotomization i suppose so aaron what would you like to marry and also a follow-up question this week how will you propose to it oh okay um yvonne strahovsky's acting in this episode i thought was incredible she does a very good job of threading the needle between like anxiety over where Chuck is, love for Chuck, and then, like, her, like, tearful confessions, I thought, were very affecting, as you can tell from the fact that I said I got chills and cried. Um, whether we want to, like, the, the plot, the, the, um, the concept that, like, Sarah is nothing without Chuck and Chuck is nothing without Sarah is a little bit, um, too much for me, but I think, like, her performance made me believe this um, made me believe how important Chuck is to her life, whether or not I agree with that as a concept. So I would marry that and I would propose to it. Um, I really I really consider a proposal like kind of like a private event. I'm OK with it being like at a restaurant where like people are around, but I don't want it to be like a big dramatic, like writing in the sky kind of thing. Mm -hmm. um, so I think I think maybe I'd take I take Yvonne out to a or Yvonne's acting, not even Yvonne herself. Mm -hmm. but Yvonne's performance in this episode, I take out to maybe like a nice picnic in Griffith Park. And then there would be like a ring in the um, in the picnic basket, I would say. Does that sound OK? Yeah. Yeah. All right. That, OK. I, that sounds good. Um, All right. Sounds what like is your Mary? we will have competing proposals this week. Oh, boy. The, OK. The second week in a row, we have the same exact <laughs> Mary. Perfect. Um, I also had to uh, really give a shout out to Yvonne's performance this week. I feel like she consistently has to do the like she has the most emotional ground to cover usually out of like the entire cast. I feel like she has Sarah's as a character has the largest range of emotions that she experiences. And uh -huh. even in just this one episode, I was like, this is crazy that she's doing all of this in one episode, because like you had said, like the. The anxiety stuff, the the tough stuff, like the interrogation stuff, um, just being a badass, being very vulnerable, being sad, being like loving, um, all of these different things. I I thought was pretty crazy. Oh, and then also like when she's in the dream sequences, that's a whole other approach to it. Um, and doing the fight scene, like that whole 
crazy yeah. like so much stuff like i i think yeah. she 100 percent carried the the episode this week yes it was uh i agree she carried she it, it on her her very muscular shoulders and uh, yes i would like i would also like to give a shout out to the the scary dream sequence in the buy more at the end like yeah that was the kind of craziness that I was hoping to see in Chuck versus yes. the Isle of Terror. So I agree. I'm, f- I'm glad that we finally got there. Very good. So for my kill, I'm going to go. Um, I have I have bullet points. It's all around the same thing. Um, but I'm going to go in order of like smaller to to very big problems. <laughs> um, the Thailand sequence mm-hmm. had some problems. I would say. Initially, before we got too far into it, I was just generally disappointed that Sarah, like, doesn't win the initial fight. I like that Casey and Morgan arrive, but it was kind of disappointing when, like, she gets... I'm I'm sure it would suck to have sand thrown in your eye, but, like, she gets debilitated by that and Casey has to rescue her. I thought that was a little bit disappointing. I know she does kind of, like, quote-unquote, redeem herself later, but I just found that unnecessary. Um... I think it has to be said that it is disappointing, um, not necessarily surprising, but definitely disappointing that all of the European locations that Chuck travels to, Switzerland, Czech Republic, Pontoon, Russia, et cetera, et cetera. I guess Russia's not European, but you get my drift. The the kind of like white locations are like um, generally like an auction or a party or things like that. And then this um, Thai location... Um, I will also say, like, the Africa location are a lot rougher, and none of the characters are named, and all of the, um, I, I just wasn't really on board, I didn't think that this was sensitively portrayed, um, I thought that it was generally disappointing and kind of problematic. Um, then I, we didn't mention in the episode, and I'm loath to talk about it, but in Sarah's badass fight sequences, they often refer to her as um, the she-male, which is portrayed as a joke. I don't know if it's meant to be like a mistranslation or just they're actually implying that Sarah is behaving like a man or looks like a man or whatever. It's very problematic, not okay, um, and I cringed every time it was said let alone played for laughs Mm -hmm. so that's my kills yeah uh all that (laughs) stuff was uh (laughs) not uh not the best but um i i i I agree with with those things and i figured that you would say that so i prepared something else to talk about so it was not uh complete uh duplicates of one another i just think the this was we haven't really dealt with this in a little while where it's like we're getting into the science of the intersect and mm-hmm. you're once again reminded that the the science is not airtight surrounding that um yes. i just thought that it was i don't know just like the fact that they're like we can access by causing giving him a very certain anxiety dream we can cause the intersect to work i was like that's crazy um right at the beginning and i was like that's that's insane and um but i think what really bothered me the most about it was just that you like we're led to believe that phase three starts and it's like happening and we're in chuck's consciousness in the dreams and things are you know being blown up or disappearing or dissolving or Mm -hmm. whatever and then sarah comes in and rescues him and takes the things off of his head and he wakes up and he's totally fine so i was like did phase three like like you said before it's not something you can really undo it seems like but it seems like chuck wasn't really that affected by it so i genuinely thought it was gonna be like he wakes up and then he's like who are you and then that was gonna be something they would have to deal with right i thought that because not only is he totally fine he goes back to burbank and is talking to beckman and everyone's like oh chuck's totally okay i thought it would have been funny if they had like a little scene after that or something where he's at the buy more just doing something kind of they're talking, he's talking to Morgan in the buy more or whatever. And Jeff and Lester try to come up and tell him about the computer at De- Devin and Ellie's mm-hmm. and like Morgan brushes them off or whatever. And then Chuck kind of has like an aside of like, who were they? Or like, just <laughs> so you know that some of his memory is gone, but not yeah. none of the important stuff. Or yeah. if he was coming back to the apartment and he went towards like Devin and Ellie's door and someone had to like coach him to go back to it. He's like, all right. Um, 
just like small nods like that where it's like this actually had an effect on him but there's there's none of that he's he's totally fine yeah he's he's fine all that dr mueller and all of his dream science yeah um yeah that was i it did not seem like dr mueller really excelled at his (laughs) symbols and psychology course symbology in uh at stanford that's fine um but now it's time to see if this episode excels on the scooter scale on a scale of zero to five corn dogs. Aaron, how many corn dogs would you like to give this episode? So this is honestly was very tough for me to score mm-hmm. because I feel like it had high highs and low lows. Um, I had such a problem with the title sequence that I can't really give it. Um, I think if that was not an issue, I would have given it a much higher score. Um, so I'm, I'm still giving it kind of a high score, but I just want to like make the caveat that that is very problematic. Um, I'm going to give it a four. I think that Sarah's carrying the episode, what she does here and what it, um, what it means for her character and her performance, like was enough of a net positive that like it kind of removed some of the logistical issues for me with how the dream stuff actually works and what it actually says about Chuck and Sarah's relationship that they're like so codependent on each other and like all of those kinds of problems. I think it was strong enough that it kind of made me not think about that and made me more think about the fact that I like teared up and got very emotional watching it and that it was very like affecting. So I'm going to give it a four but it's mainly on the shoulders of Yvonne's performance. Mm-hmm. Well, I have similar rationale. I, I gave it a three out of five. Um, okay. I, I, I agree with everything. Like, I do think that like without Yvonne's performance in this one, like it would have been a lot worse off. Um, but yeah, cause aside from her performance, I really didn't feel like too compelled or connected to much in this episode. And uh-huh. I feel like not a lot happened especially since now that chuck is the driver of all the action but like with the main character being unconscious for most of the episode yeah and they really dragged out things like the fight scene was cool that they took their time to really like flesh out and show that but um plot wise they there wasn't really a ton of ground to cover um and i thought the b plot with Devin and jeff and luster was like kind of funny but i feel like they didn't really i felt like they rushed through that too quickly and didn't really let it develop to be really funny um and aside because i was like what like because they introduced the proposal in this which i'm like okay obviously the proposal now is going to be a driving factor moving forward but aside from that i'm like this was just a a definition of a a filler episode yeah (laughs) has nothing to do with any of the larger arcs of the season it's just kind of you know i was i was cool i was glad to see a a really Sarah forward episode of her being mm-hmm. a badass. But um, other than that, I was just like, yeah, there's not, not a lot here. Yes. So somewhere where there is a lot here is when we learn things. Good transition. Excellent. A plus. Well, uh, are you being lobotomized right now? Aaron? <laughs> yeah. Are right. You? Life on the air. <laughs> We're moving into our lesson of the week segment. If that was unclear. So what did you learn this week, Chris? I learned this week that apparently Jeff Lester and Big Mike play a larger role in Chuck's life than his mom or Volokov or his dad (laughs) or Shaw or literally any of those other people. Well, okay, those people weren't in his phone contacts. Right. Like, but do you know who was in his phone contacts? Who? Uh, There was a very specific number that was listed as a northern Los Angeles area phone number. One eight one eight five 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 eight four three zero. That was the only non-contact number in his recent. I have calls. to assume that was like food delivery that he ordered or something. That's what I was thinking. I thought that he ordered yeah. pizza or something. But also, he's that would be kind of funny if, like, if they really le- leaned into like the phone contacts thing, and it was like then the pizza guy shows up or something. <laughs> um, but Chuck is also kind of crazy because he has there's the home number. Is listed as a is categorized as a mobile number. There's a contact that says home, and it's it's categorized <laughs> as a mobile number. All the other ones, I was looking at it. Everything else checked out. It's he's really kind of uh he's pretty thorough with his categorization of the the different uh-huh. contacts because he has like yep. 
Ellie's mobile, Ellie home, Ellie work, and then he has Morgan's work number. And then mm-hmm. also, I think, Morgan's mobile number. But then uh-huh. they also all have landlines, I guess, because they all have all of these home numbers. It was, it was 2010. So anyhow, those characters Chuck does not care about. If you really want to get to the bottom of Chuck Neuroses, you got to leverage Jeff and Lester, apparently. <laughs> not his mom, who abandoned him for all of his life. Or Shaw, Don't worry who about tried it. to kill him. And, and Sarah, or his dad, who he saw die in front of him. Or Volokov, who's a looming threat you these are people that the show cannot afford to appear in this episode <laughs> so we got to make do with jeff and lester what i learned is that i like ugly rugs i would like to have them in my home ugly especially rugs. if they roll up on their own oh, that'd be so cool I, yeah that'd be really cool i don't know what it says about us that we really hone in on like the gadgets that they don't make a big deal about like we both really liked the 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 gloves that chuck used yeah. To uh to knock that guy out that one time. Gadgets are cool. We're very easily impressed. Yeah. <laughs> I just want I just want that to, to sink in. If that was not already. Aaron is giving me a virtual thumbs up. Uh and now she's clapping. <laughs> uh I think that means This is fun. This is cool. Once again, easily impressed and maybe lobotomized. <laughs> uh I, I thank you for joining us this week. I had a nice time. I hope that you had a nice time as well. Aaron, it was a, a pleasure. Um, I look forward to entering the next phase of our season four journey together. Woo! Uh, my name is Chris Gillespie reminding you that food is sexy. Oh my God, it's so sexy. I'm so hungry right now. My <laughs> name is Aaron Arana, letting you know that anything is possible. Let's go get some food. Woo! Woo! Thanks for listening. As always, a big thanks to the artist Hadakoa and the fine folks at freemusicarchive.org for providing us with our theme song, Warm Up. If you want to drop us a line, you can reach us at gochuckyourselfpodcast at gmail.com. Don't forget to like and subscribe to Go Check Yourself on your preferred podcast platform. New episodes come out every Monday morning and you do not want to miss a new episode. Thanks again. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye.